ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank, I'm Branham. It's Joe George, assistant to the regional manager in our Queen Bee. Behind the glass, and it is a Taco Tuesday edition of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Is today your on day? Will today be your you know on Alvarez day? If yes. you listen, if you listen to the way Dusty talked pregame, mm-hmm. he said it could be today, it could be tomorrow. Sound like an either or? Yeah, fifty like fifty. Like, that bothered me all even more so than him not playing yesterday. Was like, well, wait a minute. I can see giving him an extra day, but if we're talking two days, now I'm really going to be more concerned. I hope it's tonight. I think it's tonight. I think it's tonight. You know what Dusty likes to do? And Dusty kind of alluded to this. Whenever they tell him it's time, what does Dusty like to do? Likes Make it on him, his time. He likes to give him an extra day. Yeah, an extra well, Dusty his always time. talks his time for sure. Dusty Dusty time is an extra day. He always talks about that. Whenever the player says that he's ready to go, Dusty likes to do what? Likes to give him an extra tell day. Me it's red and I'll tell you it's black and I'll yeah. tell you that I'm right. <laughs> exactly. He likes to give him an extra day. I think today will be Jordan Alvarez day. I think Jordan Alvarez will come back today. Twitter, uh, the Astros Twitter, by the way, they mm-hmm. put today's like I don't know some card giveaway or whatever. They put a picture of Jordan Alvarez on that thing. Oh, the tops, the, the tops, tops card thing. Cards, yeah. Is that coincidence that. or is that a sign? Is that a clue that Jordan Alvarez will play? One thing that um, it makes Jordan not playing yesterday. Good, tolerable. You won a game. So, like, it didn't matter that Jordan Alvarez wasn't there. You win a baseball game without Jordan Alvarez. It's like Jordan Alvarez was there. Anytime that you win a game, Blankers, with Brandon Bielak on the mound, it feels like you stole one. But what I think was the lead of yesterday's game, I know there's a lot of good things that we'll get to. Chaz McCormick being awesome. Yiner Diaz getting the walk-off hit. Not too bad with runners in scoring position yesterday. But do you know who the Astros own? The, they, they own a role this chapter. Yeah, they sure do. The Astros, Jose Altuve, now Chaz McCormick, they're all the poppy of a role this chapter. Yeah, no, and it, it's fantastic. Look, there were so many times I talked to guys at the gym this morning, like, I turned it off three times. I didn't turn it off. I just didn't feel very good about the game multiple times. And yet the fact that they showed the perseverance to keep coming back, to keep fighting, to keep scoring runs, and really just grind out a win was a very gratifying feeling at the end of the night. And then, like you said, to do it to a guy like Chapman was fantastic. Um, you know, you saw you saw guys that had struggled mightily uh, against the, the Rangers starter, Greg. All of a sudden, Bregman has multiple hits. Tucker looked better at the play. But Tucker's been hitting the ball very well. Uh-huh. But overall, again, uh, you don't have Jordan. You still don't have Altuve. But you find a way to win, and now it's only two. And now the Rangers, you got to believe, are feeling at least a little uneasy that – Hey, this team not only hasn't gone away all year, but now at home with two games left to play are in a position where they're going to make this thing real interesting the rest of the way. It's interesting the Rangers haven't announced a starter Saw that. for tonight's game. Like it's Eovaldi's turn in the rotation, but, I was but they've watching, not announced him. I, well, I don't know that they will because I, I watched the Rangers telecast over the weekend, 
And they I'm were sorry. And, and I mean, well, it was before the Astros games came on. And so there's nothing really else on. The golf was in the morning. I, I've watched a lot of their broadcasts, yeah. too. Like, I've heard a lot of Dave Raymond this year and C.J. Natowski mm-hmm. this year because I've been keeping up on the Rangers. I've watched a lot of Rangers baseball. Yeah. I'm not a fan of C.J. Natowski, but they're, Dave Raymond oh, used to be in this market. They're super homery. Oh, for sure. And they're just, super just homery. Just see home plate play last night and, yeah. and the audio from that, too. Like, they'll they'll... There'll be a pitch that misses the zone, like oh. literally misses the zone. They'll be like, oh, it clipped it. Like they, lo- like they don't believe the little stat cast pitching zone. What was the the real controversial play early in the year? The play at the plate where they said that Joe oh, yeah. Heim, Heim bro- uh, blocked the plate. He blocked the lane. Yeah, they went off for a half hour. They just they couldn't, they, and they were just going over and over. <laughs> it's like I, I guess you know one thing: don't beat a dead horse. But oh my god, the drum solos you've been playing on it. Holy cow, just slow down. Yeah, but. When I was watching it this weekend, they said that Evaldi might skip a full turn in the rotation. That they just they they feel, felt like his velocity was down. That he huh. just wasn't the same kind of guy that he had been all year. And they thought for the the long term rest of the season, it might be best for him to skip. So is he not going to pitch tonight? I don't think he. I don't think he will. I mean, you you would think that they would have announced him if he was going to. Right. Like he, it doesn't seem like he's going to. I, yeah, I don't think the gamesmanship at this point with the Astros means anything. I would think I would think that it's pretty much if he's going to pitch, it would be a no brainer. You'd already announced it. Mm-hmm. But to me, it seems like he's not going to pitch in this series. He's That'd not. Be a plus. Uh, Sean McFarland from the Dallas News reported that the Rangers will skip Ivaldi start versus Houston. Is this the same guy that uh, said something was up with the pitch com with Ryan Stanek last night? Uh, no, this seems like a real reporter. That's good. It's hard to tell these days on the Twitter. Yeah, and, and Evan Grant too, who we all know, like from Dallas Morning News, he's a real, real reporter. A real, they, real one. <laughs> um, I actually know his name. Uh, it sounds like. Bochi announced it yesterday. Oh, he did? Or or two days ago. But they don't know who's going to go? No, they just said that they're going to skip him on occasion this season, and this is one of those times they're going to skip Evaldi. It's kind of interesting. Like, if you're going to skip him on occasion a few times this season, why are you doing it against the Astros? That seems like a bad idea. Why wouldn't you have done it last week or the next time he makes a turn in the rotation? Skipping against the Astros is pretty interesting, pretty fascinating. Evaldi, though, has never been a guy. I think he's had, like, two seasons in his career where he's been able to pitch a full season. So he's kind of has a little bit of uh he's going to miss a few starts here or there. Uh, but that's beside the point. Uh, Astros win yesterday. They're two games back. I, I'm, I'm with you, Blankers. Like, I didn't feel great several times in that game. I didn't feel great after the Rangers just pounded on Brandon Belak. I didn't feel great that even after Brandon Belak was out of the game, the Astros stormed back to tie it. And then Phil Maton does not pitch well. Ryan Stanek. Whatever. I mean, Ryan Stanton, I don't like that he walked the hitter with the bases loaded, but he inherited a tough spot, right. only allowed two runs to score. I didn't think Stanek was terrible yesterday. Like, I thought Maton and Belak were terrible. But I didn't feel great after it was a three-run game once it got to the bullpens. And then Chaz McCormick. I had a good feeling in that bat, though, because Aroldis hadn't walked anybody since he's been at Texas. He walks Tucker. He walks Abreu. And I'm like, you know what? If Chaz just cheats on a fastball here, he might get one out of here. And lo and behold, he got one out of there. I was a little worried he hit the top of the wall, though. I did. I was too. I, I, I wasn't sure it cleared live. But look, Chaz McCormick's been unbelievable. Chaz McCormick's been great. He's the truth, man. Like, he's got an OPS over 900. Chaz McCormick, and people, one thing that I'm kind of tired of seeing and reading, Blinkers, mm-hmm. well, if, you know, if Chaz McCormick, you, you, he's, this is kind of, uh, this is fluky. He's on a, he's on a hot streak, which he is. He is those things. I understand that. Is he playing above his mean? Yeah, probably is. He's probably not a 900 OPS guy. But the one thing that I point to is Chaz McCormick's career numbers. Over 850 at bats, spanning nearly two and a half seasons. The dude has a 788 OPS, plays good defensive center field. Like, the whole Chaz McCormick is a fluke. 
you got to stop that. He might not be this Chaz McCormick that we've seen over the last two to three weeks, but this Chaz McCormick is a really good baseball player. He really is. You know, it's one thing to talk about just what he's meant to this team this year, but just when ever since he's put on the Astros uniform, he's always been a guy that's been capable of stepping up whenever his number's called and doing some things. This year, he's just doing more things. He's doing it more consistently. He's doing it both offensively and defensively. He's doing it whenever his number's called and wherever he's put in the lineup, whatever position he's asked to play. And because you're dealing with a year where you've had so many significant injuries throughout the year, both season-ending with the pitching staff and just nagging injuries over and over again like Altuve and Jordan, the one guy that's been the, the constant that's been your glue guy and so much more is Chaz McCormick. And and you just have to tip your cap and say, hey, we need to start taking care of this guy and respecting him, Dusty Baker, and otherwise a lot more than he has gotten in the past because this guy has is a significant reason why your team's only two games out of first place in the division and has been able to overcome all that they've overcome this season. Yeah, I mean, he's been one of your best hitters. We won't mention that two games ago he was batting behind Blind Madris. We won't mention that because self-reflection, we know that everybody should hit behind Blind Madris. Uh, we won't talk about how Chaz McCormick, even two days ago, was hitting behind. We're not going to mention that. How about Yonder Diaz with that walk-off? Uh, Yeri Rodriguez is going to start tonight. Who? Yuri. Yuri. Yeri. It's Y-E-R-R-Y, so it looks like Jerry with a Y. You know how the Astros fare with pitchers they never seen before, right? I hate it. Or the only thing that could have been worse would be an opener, because either way, the Astros are just screaming, "Shut I, us down!" He's an opener. Well, there you he, go. He's pitched ten innings in eleven games this year. This guy's an opener. That's not a good sign if you're an Astros fan. <laughs> he's an opener. You're going to see a lot of Rangers today. A lot of Ranger pitchers on the mound today. Yeah, you're probably right. The Astros scoring three runs confirmed. <laughs> this was the Colorado game all over the game where they start the opener and they start like they just completely empty out their entire bullpen, and everybody just keeps the Astros at bay. Well, I, like I mean, this, this kind of goes into the, There's the 10-run theory, too. I was going to say, in the 10 spots, the other thing. Yeah. Coming off a 10 spot, the Astros are never good. They broke that recently, didn't they? they? Did. The most recent time. So maybe today will be the night that but they actually, break the I think, opener. I think last time they went back-to-back games with 10 runs. That's right. And then the, the following game is when they, oh, they got back to they themselves. They puttered out. Yeah. This yeah. Jerry Rodriguez guy's got some velo. There was 97. Astros can hit some shy away from Astros can hit some How about Yiner Diaz with runners in scoring position? You yesterday? know what I really liked about doing that? his job. Yeah, was the fact that he went the other way. He just shortened up his swing a little bit. He put bat on baseball. He, he, you know, as we watch his development and the maturation of Yiner Diaz in the major leagues, we know that there's a lot that he can still do offensively in terms of stop chasing bad pitches. He, you know, he he's just a free swinger like times ten. Mm-hmm. The fact that he was able to do what he did last night and take a ball and just punch it into right field the way he did. And he, and he, I say punch it, but he got the barrel on. I mean, it was stung. Uh, great piece of hitting by him and just another progression for Yiner Diaz at a time when you need him. So it was fantastic. I went um, – because I put in – I keep notes when I watch the Astros game every now and then, and yesterday I did. I put notes about Yiner Diaz. like, hey, he did good with runners in scoring position. And then I went back and watched the condensed game this morning when I woke up over my coffee. Just the seven and a half minutes, you know, let's, here's what happened in yesterday's game. I had forgotten that Jordan Alvarez was up in the first inning with runners at second and third and one out and punched out. Like what I, mean, I, Yiner, I uh, Who? Yiner. Who did I say? Jordan. Yeah, Yiner. My bad. Um, Jordan in my mind. Right. Uh, in the first inning, Yiner was up with second and third, one out. And he struck out. Like the typical Yiner Diaz, runners in scoring position. He's abysmal with runners in scoring position. And I, and I was like, I had forgotten about that. I had forgotten about that. But then two plate appearances in that game yesterday. I can't remember the inning that it was in, middle innings before the walk-off. There was a runner at third one out. What did Yiner Diaz do? He had a 
decent fly ball to medium center field. You know, ho-hum. It's not a hit. It's not a ball that was scorched, but you know what it did? It scored a run. Like That's what I need to see Yiner Diaz do with runners at third less than two outs. And then yesterday in that spot, now it was a hanging, I think it was a slider, actually. The guy throws pretty hard. I think he left a breaking ball up in the zone in a no-two count. was not a very good pitch, but that's all you need Yiner Diaz to do. Like, Yiner has enough thump. Yiner is a good enough hitter. Mix in a little contact with runners in scoring position every now and then. But an encouraging two plate appearances for Yiner Diaz after he looked like the typical poor hitter with runners in scoring position in the first. So it was nice to see Yiner Diaz get some atonement. It was nice to see a walk-off. And it's nice that the Houston Astros are two games back of the AL West with maybe Jordan Alvarez coming back today and going up against a fellow by the name of Yeri Rodriguez tonight to try to get to within one. Yeah, look, the biggest thing to me is that, you know, I, I think he gets sometimes enamored with the big swing because, you know, because of how much he's been basically commended for his power. But if he just shortens that thing up, like you said, he's got enough pop in his bat to do what he needed to do there. We just needed a fly ball there, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm sorry, we just needed to put bat on baseball. And and the fact that he was able to put that ball into right field and shorten up his swing a little bit shows me that he's developing, he's progressing even further than maybe some people have seen. Yeah, yeah, that's. I mean, it's it's situation by situation. It's at bat by at bat. You get up there with one out, nobody on. Okay, I'm cool with three swinging, swing as hard as you as you can with all your might, Yiner Diaz. You get a runner at third, less than two outs. Contact plays. Use that contact. 713-780-ESPN. We'll get your thoughts on the Astros game uh, yesterday. The game one victory over the Rangers to pull within two of the Texas Rangers. 713-780-3776. We're on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. He's at Pac-Man Joel on Twitter. I'm at Jeremy Branham. We also got to talk about the struggles of a couple of pitchers. In yesterday's game, the starter, Brandon Belak, and then what has happened to Phil Maton and what have you done with him? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. I've been telling you for a while now that Gentle Ben is the absolute best. It all starts with the finest ingredients. Classic, time-honored distilling methods. Gentle Ben uses their innovative process that removes the harshness that's found in most spirits. The result is unparalleled smoothness and an enjoyable drinking experience. You get all the flavor with none of the burn. Gentle Ben offers vodka, gin, straight bourbon, whiskey, cash drink bourbon. All are fantastic. All are in my rotation. You know that. Look for Gentle Ben at the liquor store, whichever one you go to, whatever's on your way home. Pick up a bottle today. The next time you head to dinner, you go to your favorite bar, ask for Gentle Ben. Are you looking for plans? Head to the Gentle Ben tasting room. Stop by Ben's Bar when you walk into Minute Maid Park, just to the right, uh, right when you walk in the Union Station entrance, just to the left of the Crawford boxes. And oh yeah, by the way, Gentle Ben wants to send you to an Astros-Yankees game later this season. All you have to do is head over to Gentleman on Facebook, find them on Facebook, find them to Instagram, and register to win their sweepstakes. They want to send you to an Astros-Yankees game uh, coming up this season. Gentleman, smoothest, honest. Most bees make honey. These killer bees make great sports insights, but they also make honey. Don't ask about the process. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's Joel and Jeremy. You know how you sweeten some tea down to the south, don't you? You stick your pinky in it. Are you sweeten it that way? <laughs> You'll get it. <laughs> 713-780-ESPN. What's a bigger problem, Brandon Belak or Phil? What is 
Paulie calls them baton. Have you seen that one commercial? I've been meaning. I've been meaning to. Uh, I've been so lazy about this. I've been meaning to cut up two pieces of audio that are that we see all the time at Astros games uh, to use them as as drops. One of them's whenever they have the. Um, it sounds terrible, but they had the kid there, and they're doing like uh, you know, they're granting him a wish, and he's there to see George Springer, and then the lady that organizes it calls uh, Phil Maton. You can tell that she's struggling to remember his name, and she's like Phil Maton, like that's that what reminds me of a little bit. And then one of them's an HEB commercial where Bregman just says my name over and over again. Um, what's the bigger problem, Phil Maton or Brandon Belak? I think Phil Maton is just a, it's just overuse. I think at a certain point. You know, we look at how many appearances that these guys in the back of the bullpen have made all year and that, you know, the Astros with having, what, three guys near the top of the league in appearances with Abreu, Presley, and and and, and Maton, it, it get, it's going to catch up with you at some point. And, and I think it's catching up with Phil Maton. We've seen, you know, several pitchers throughout the league and a couple with the Astros, where even Uvalde right now, where you just feel like, when they get overused and they're not used to the amount of usage that they're getting, it's probably time to kind of let him have some rest for a little bit and kind of change the pattern for a, a short period of time so that he can kind of recover a little bit. And that, that's where I feel like he's at. With Belak, it's like I've said all along. I always feel like they're going to lose when he starts. I'm always pleasantly surprised when he pitches well. He is capable of pitching well every now and then. But overall, I just think this is who he is, and it's not good enough if, if you're an Astros fan for him to be in the rotation in the playoffs. And probably not right now. As soon as the deadline's over, I would expect that that changes and they can find someone so that they don't have to use them or use them hardly at all. Yeah. But I trust Phil Maton a whole lot more than I trust Brandon Belak. I've started spelling Belak's name with triple A's in his last one mm. because he's not a major league pitcher. Like The fact that he goes out there and at times gives you a little bit of quality you know sometimes it's fool's gold you know we know his numbers with you know runners on base like his whips through the moon he owns the rockies okay you're supposed to right it's the rockies yeah i mean he's not a he's not a good pitcher like he's fine to have on your 40-man roster he can eat some innings every now and then but anytime you win a game like you said with him on the mound it feels like you stole Mm -hmm. a victory you win with brandon belak starting that night's game you're stealing a victory I also don't really have much like I don't think that Brandon Belak is part of this team's plans. Whether it's leverage innings in the postseason in 2023, whether it's being a prominent role at all uh, with this pitching staff going forward, like he, he's a four A pitcher. You're going to call him up in emergencies. He's a mop up guy that can be a spot starter. Phil Maton, on the other hand, the way he started off this year, and he's always been solid. Phil Maton's always been a pretty good reliever. He's even like going into this past offseason when people hated him. Phil Maton's always been pretty good. He's never been a seventh inning guy, an eighth inning guy, a ninth inning guy. The role that Dusty uses him in this year, I think, is perfect for Phil Maton. Like he's your first reliever out of the pen to settle the game and did really good at it early. July has not been kind to him. In fact, in his last nine games, five and two thirds, he has walked eight. Phil Maton has walked eight guys in five and two-thirds. With his stuff, he can't afford to be walking anybody, much less eight and five and two-thirds. His ERA blankers in his last nine games is 928. Is overuse a problem there? Yeah. Like, he has been used a lot. Dusty's had no choice. Not blaming Dusty with the, on this at all. But it is also the job of a reliever to be used a lot. That's that's your role. You're a relief pitcher. You're, you're going to be used a lot. and You're going to be pitching an inning in a lot of the games for whatever team that you play for. I am a little bit worried about the regression we've seen from from Aton, and it does, to me, magnify the importance 
of trading for a reliever. And I think you can find relievers, especially rental relievers, on a on a very affordable deal. And I think Dana Brown has to add at least one. Well, I, I think it goes to the fact that you're already down Montero, a guy that you were going to be relying on and leaning on all season long. We won't say that he's been pitching better. No, we're not we're going to say that. We're going to say the fact that this was a guy you relied on a year ago. This was a guy that was part of that best bullpen in baseball. But you already have basically written him off and, and said that I can only use him in mop-up you know, situations, either up big or down big. And I know that Dusty's going to try and start working him and finessing him back into some higher-type leverage situations, which worries me. But because you're already dealing with everything you've dealt with with him, you can ill afford to have another guy that is all season long been a key member of your pen to be a guy that just you know falls off the planet and suddenly he can't do anything for you anymore. That's why I think you got to handle him with kid gloves. I think we've seen this with starters. We've seen this with pen guys. But when you can tell, like what they just did with Javier, when you can tell that he's just not himself mm-hmm. and he's getting beat up a little bit, both mentally and physically fatigued, I think you got to kind of, you know, Sit him down for a little bit. I don't know if they can. Like, I think you can be selective on when you use him, but that means that you're probably upgrading Montero's leverage spots. And with where you are with this pitching staff and the injuries, and like Renel Blanco, you don't want to call him up again because now you have to option him down again, and he's flirting with those five options per year. Parker Mashinsky's already on this team. We saw the Joel, my second favorite Joel, uh, that pitched for the Astros before they sent him down. Like, the Astros don't have many options. So I don't think that they can, like, fake an injury with Phil Maton. I think that like a happy medium here is maybe you lower his leverage spots. Maybe you try to buy a day if you can. But if he's going to be on this roster, and we know how active the Astros have been with their bullpen, because they've had to out of necessity. This is not a knock on anybody. They have to use Phil Maton. Now, if you're talking about giving him a day, maybe trying to lower his leverage spots, that means you had to upgrade somebody, which means you're probably upgrading Rafael Montero. Yeah, I mean, Montero in the short term would be the guy that gets the first crack at it. I think Mashinsky is a guy that's going to try and eat up innings like like uh, Seth Martinez does. Uh, I, I, but I think that overall, if it's my preference, and I completely agree with you, it's more and more. It's getting more and more evident every day. They've got to make multiple moves at the deadline, and they've got to look to add the bullpen because of the fact that you need pitching help both ways. You need starting pitching, and you need relief pitching. You have to fortify, and I don't even want the insurance policy to be part of this. You've got to get better. You've got to get better than what you currently have in terms of the top guys in your rotation. You've got to get better in the bullpen. And, and it, you know, we've sit, we'll sit there and throw names daily on, on who we like or who we'd like to see. Daily Rayleigh. But, no. But they've got to go get an arm or two to help this bullpen out because I'd really like to sit Maytown down for a series. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Like, but I, you're I, right. If, if you do that, well, who's going to pick up mm-hmm. the inning? I don't think that you can right now. Like, it, it'd be nice. And this is what Joe was talking about the, yesterday. It'd be nice if the Astros in a four-game series against the Oakland single A's win two or three of those games by six runs. That way you don't have to use your leverage, guys, Not as only much. that, but it would be nice if your starters kept the pitch count down a little bit or could go deep enough into the game yeah. so that you don't have to go at, you know, four guys every three, four guys into your pen every night. That said, I'm protecting Framber Valdez before I'm protecting Phil Maytel. Oh, without just, just, just want to, to throw that out there because it sounds a little bit like a contradiction that I had the other day. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. Eric the Driver said Stropol yesterday was being unfair to France, lumping him in with Belak. Yeah, Belak's not Belak should not be in the conversation with any reliable Astro starter. I think Belak and Blanco are in the same conversation. J.P. France is a, a tier Blanco, ahead of them. Sure. Joe and I saw him pitch Friday night in, in, in Sugarland. Oh, did you? Yeah, and, that night? And, and my thing was, he was fine, but he, he kind of solidified for me why he doesn't belong on the Astros <laughs> roster. Just Belak, you man. know what? He, he, he's a 4A, 3A type pitcher right now for this team. I know that 
he has the ability stuff wise that he can get better, but it ain't going to be this year. It's not going to be what you need him to be. So he's fine. He needs to stay in Sugarland. Would you rather see Belak or Blanco pitch five innings against your arch rival? See, I think it's Blanco because we've talked about he has better stuff, mm-hmm. and I also think the other thing is he has to understand how to pitch. I, I'm a full big believer in the fact that his his untapped resources, the the amount he uses his changeup, which I think is better than a lot of people's changeup in Major League Baseball. He's so enamored with the fastball that he can't understand that that changeup, even if it's a couple miles an hour with a little with a little movement to it, that changeup can be really really effective. And I go back all the way to the Dodger game on national TV. He got beat up in the first inning. And he was fastball heavy. The minute he switched and started throwing changeups, it became an out pitch for him. It became a, a, a problem for all hitters to chase, and he became a much more dominant pitcher the rest of the game. I think that's he's got to look at those tape that tape and go. I should be doing this all the time. I know I've got a fastball, but I can't get enamored with it. I got a pitch. Yeah, I'd rather see Blanco too, but it's not a hill that I'm willing to die on. Like I, I consider it, you know, six one way, half a dozen the other. I would prefer Blanco. But I'm not going to sit here and have a hot take. Renault Blanco needs to be pitching instead of Brandon Belak. They're, they're kind of the same production of what you're going to get from either guy. 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line. Uh, 8837, is this what Maton did last year? Started out well, progressively worse in the second half. Missed the playoff roster. Punching the locker just made the choice easy. I thought that Maton was going to punch a locker again yesterday. I'm not going to lie. I, he looked pretty aggravated when Dusty angry. came out there to get him. Yeah, It's like, what else was he supposed to do? I think do? he was he mad at find himself. The zone. Yeah, he I think just he, couldn't he, find the zone. I don't think he was mad at Dusty. I think he was really mad at his outing. 713-780-ESPN. We'll, we'll get your thoughts on this. Also, look, there is something very encouraging from that game yesterday. I think that this offense has a chance to be a top-five offense in baseball at full health. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Back to the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5. The show name is a reference to how many great Astros' last name begin with the letter B, who were playing back in the 90s when they were not winning World Series. Bagwell, Biggio, Barry, Bell, and eventually Bergman. You might not remember Barry and Bell, but trust me, you'll remember Blank and Brenham. Here they are now, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. And Brandon Belak. Uh, 1509, PC mentioned a hypothetical. Cohen pays half a JV salary reunite with Orange and Crawford. I wonder where he's heard that one before. The whole JV, back to the Astros, reuniting, and you get him on a discount because either Cohen and the Mets retain some of his salary or you trade Rafael Montero in that trade package. I saw some Twitter rumors, like Bonda, I think his name is. What are we doing here? Did you see that? That the Astros have agreed to a trade for Justin Verlander that's yet to happen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I saw I saw that circulating on Twitter. And, and then everybody like, was looking at the Oh my god, Justin Verlander, his his Twitter profile says Houston strong. It has the skyline of the city. And it says Houston hasn't updated it since two thousand seventeen, probably. <laughs> Apparently some people say he changed it back. But Verlander did? Yeah. I so, have no idea. I, I really don't on. care. You I, don't I, agree to acquire a player and then the trade doesn't happen. <laughs> Just you wait for uh, a few well, days. unless you're Daryl Morey. <laughs> Daryl Morey was known for like burning the bridges of like relationships with like 15 general managers in the first month because he'd go back on a handshake agreement the next day if he just felt like it. So it it, it can happen. It normally doesn't. Joe, to your point, you're right. But like, I don't want Justin Verlander oh, back. I do. Even at half of his money, I don't want him back. I, I mean, absolutely do. Why it, wouldn't you want him back? It depends on what would you give up to get him, and then you're still paying. 
twenty some odd million, and you're on the hook for next season, and then that doesn't this, sound so bad, right? Twenty million for Justin Verlander. Is that what it would, it would be like? Twenty one, twenty one. I mean, half? we're playing kind of you know numbers math, but let's say you trade. Let's not. Let's what, say the Mets next don't year? even. Is it next it's year? Like forty three and a third. Forty three and, and a that's third. guaranteed, right? The third year's the one it's where it's for like twenty. The best 25? option, yeah, yeah. Um, they would need to take Rafael Montero back for me. If I can get Verlander for Rafael Montero, like a B level prospect, yeah, I'm doing that. Absolutely, I'm doing you're that. Say, you're saying because the money, then you can save. Yeah, because you're offsetting. Yeah, you're because Montero is locked up for this year and two more at twelve and a half million. So if you get if you get Verlander, if you trade Rafael Montero, a B level prospect for Justin Verlander, I'm getting him at a twelve and a half million dollar discount because I'm getting out of the Montero deal. So what does that put me at? That puts me around thirty ish million a year. Like, would you have Verlander on thirty million dollars a year? Absolutely, you would. Yeah, absolutely. No, that, I mean, it's it's a lot to ask to see if the Mets would be willing to take on Montero and half of his salary. And well, then, if they if they don't, then I say see you later. Right, then I'm not doing it because then you're yeah. still on the hook for next year. Right, and, and that's going to be challenging. But I have to I have to get a significant amount of Verlander's contract paid for, whether they're retaining some of the salary or I'm getting rid of Rafael Montero in the process. Right, which I mean, you could do worse. I just think that he's not my top target. Well, yeah, what we saw in the playoffs last year really concerns me about. But this year, maybe he's not getting the kind of work that that I think Mets fans expected him to get because they were going to be on top of their game and he was going to be on top of his game and he was going to go deep into games and doing the things that he normally does. And and I just felt like after seeing what happened last year in the playoffs that this was the the progression downward now that he was never going to get back up there and that you, you this is exactly why you don't resign him and that's why you saved all that. Yeah, see, I didn't. Want, I wouldn't resign him at forty three point three. But if I can get Verlander at thirty, yeah, I want to do business with Justin Verlander. And Verlander's been pretty stinking good lately. Like he got off to a little bit of a sluggish start. He had the injury to start that year. He's been pretty stinking. He got beat good up in lately. Colorado too, which isn't a fair evaluation. Either. Yeah, like I mean, you can almost throw that one out, right? Because you're right. pitching in Colorado. The breaking stuff doesn't move as much. The ball travels through the thin air. But Verlander, let's look. Last five starts for Justin Verlander. 174 ERA. You don't want Justin Verlander at 30 million a year? You're crazy. You're crazy. Now, top target, et cetera, et cetera. What does the deal look like? Uh, those are all something you have to consider. Uh, 713-780-ESPN, the HRP listener line. 713-780-3776-8837. Legend status for Chaz already because of his catch. Uh, 9012, Dusty will still play Jake over Chaz. Just watch. Chaz has started the last 14 games, though, and I think he started the last 19 of 20. I think Dusty Baker has tipped his hand that he even thinks that Chaz McCormick is a full-time, at least outfielder, because right. he's still playing a little bit of left, but at least a full-time starter on this team. Yeah, no, I think that he has the versatility, and Dusty's shown that he's not afraid to put him in left field. So as much as Corey Jolks there a week or two ago was was you know earning more playing time, I think that he's going to play. He's going to be in the lineup every night, which is all I can ask for. But I think he'll split time between center and left, depending on pitchers and matchups and things. Uh, what did y'all think about the Whistler three three seven six S? I wasn't sure everybody else got it. I heard you. Tw- I saw you. I tweeted, tweeted about, about it. it. I didn't really catch it. Oh my god! It was so. Is that the real thing? Why is that in the system? <laughs> Frank sent it to us. It was so flipping annoying because a lot of it was timing too. I know how Dre and everybody gets mad about the wave. But this guy was reloading this whistle on every pitch. Was he? Who was he? Was he doing it whenever one team was hitting or both teams were hitting? I, I, I just caught it whenever the Astros were. I think it was both teams. Okay, so you didn't have somebody tipping signs to the Rangers. Their offense is really good, you know. 
it was just monotonous, and it just kept going and going and going. I go, I, I'm really debating just killing the volume because it, it, at a certain point, you know how your brain gets where now you're listening for it, and now every time I'm about to throw the remote down, going, my God, someone's sitting next to him. My tweet was give him crackers so he couldn't <laughs> whistle anymore, but someone in the section or next to him had to just turn around and go, bro, shut the hell up. Like, it's not helping anyone. It's driving us nuts. Oh, my God, it was annoying. And then I was I was actually relieved that people felt the same way and they were tweeting about it. Uh, I just saw Barry tweet this morning. I was watching the game. I missed it last night, but I can't watch it because of this whistler. I'm like, thank God it wasn't only me because this dude was, it was just every now and then, okay. But come on, man, after every pitch. I think that I might be losing my hearing. I didn't. I didn't hear it. Oh man! I did. Maybe I don't, I don't hear certain high pitches because I, I have trouble with S two D two too. Did you hear it, Joe? Yeah, it was obnoxious. Yeah. Man, okay, good. I must be losing my hearing. I just didn't really notice. How did I not notice that? Man, I'm, I'm a little concerned. And it was a quick, well, no, but then you say you watched the no, I oh, watched, you rewatched. No, I rewatched it. the condensed okay. game over my, my coffee. I like to watch the condensed game in the morning yeah. to kind of refresh myself while I'm drinking my coffee. It's a good way to spend my morning. It, it was. It's one of those things where, like, I guess you can't kick someone out for that, but I wish you could. What was more obnoxious, the whistler or the woos whenever Reddick would come to the plate? Yeah, but the woo, but that was only when Reddick would come to the plate. Eh. They would do a little bit more often than that. But, I mean, at its peak was when Reddick up. Huh. Someone just, even if you just look at, bro, really? Seriously. <laughs> like, if you're sitting by this guy, like, can we just take it down a notch or, like, maybe not so often? But like, I, I don't know the effectiveness of it or the, 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 the thought process behind it, but I, I think it was so mind-numbingly annoying that it was because there was no thought. You just, you're bored, so instead of twi- you know playing with a spinner or a fidget spinner or something like that, you just keep whistling this damn charge tune. Oh. Mr. Uh, Mr. Brosh Dash, good way to get your butt beat. He must not be a local around here. Uh, Poncho said it, uh, it only bothers the elderly. I didn't say it. Oh, Poncho, kiss all of my ass. I, although I think I'm the one that's losing. It wasn't losing just me. Joe right did it. Joe said it. Lots of people have said yeah, it. Yeah, but Joe's like 33 going on 50, Ow, if we're easy. being completely honest. 31 going on 40. 31 going on 50. There you go. I said 40. Uh, four, I said 50. 4857 <laughs> had to unfortunately listen to the Rangers broadcast last night. Geez, they really hate the Astros and have to start making excuses because they know the Astros will take the division. Yeah, you had Dave Raymond. Was it Natowski yesterday? I think it was still CJ Nikowski. Because they rotate a lot of color guys. They do. Have you noticed that? Yeah, they do. Yeah, because I'm always going, who is he with? Yeah, he's always with somebody different. I, I've heard like four different color guys with Dave Raymond. Yeah, this they're, year. Um, they're over the top, and, and, and that's that's a tough listen. I, I've got the, the extra innings package, but thankfully I, I wasn't able to access that one last night because I wouldn't have. I get Bally. Do you all get Bally? You I get, get Bally? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Normally I get the Rangers games on Bally. But when when it's it's they're playing your team, you don't get that. They black that out. No, I get it. Really? Like last week, the not not yesterday, but the last time the Astros in and the Arlington? Rangers, yeah, when they played in Arlington, I, I DVR'd I DVR every Astros game, and for some reason it didn't record AT and T. It recorded Bally, oh. so I had to sit through an entire game when they were in Arlington of the Bally Sports. Did broadcast. you know Raymond when he was here? Not personally. Okay. Not, which, I know Craig did. I think they were all a little bitter with the way it ended. Jim Crane I, bought the team. I don't blame him. Yeah, Crane bought the team cleaned house, right. which included the broadcasters. Mm-hmm. So I think Raymond's a little bit bitter towards the Houston Astros. I also heard didn't love working with Milo Hamilton. I think that was a tough ask for anybody to do at I think that point. Milo in the had a little bit of yeah, an ego. In Milo's career, he's always had an ego, but then he, was also, he also slipped quite a bit. Oh, I remember yeah. driving games and hearing Milo call... Uh, you know, a fly ball to the outfield. You didn't know if it was a home run, hit off the wall, someone caught it. 
he was just, you know, he was so far past his prime and then still had the ego to where he was really talking down to people. I'm sure that was tough to do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it was tough. One. Pally. One five zero nine and Dusty, we trust you. You're on rule number one and a half. That's weird. Jordan plays 85% of his games at DH, allow Uncle Mike and the Coog guy split times. I'm all for Jordan Alvarez to be the permanent DH. The Coog guy? The Coog guy. Corey oh, Jokes. Guy. I wouldn't mind trading for a left fielder. You could trade for a left fielder. Yeah. Let me throw this by you because we didn't get to this segment. I got ADD sidetracked. 713-780-3776. Can I talk you in to how the Houston Astros can become a top five offense this season. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Broadcasting live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, deep inside the secret bee cave, it's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. Yep, yep, secret, secret bee cave. 713-780-ESPN, HRMP listener line. 713-780-3776. says the Rangers suck at mound visits. You know what they need. If they wanted to boost up their mound visits, you know what they would do? Trade for Carlos Correa. Got the game-winning hit. He's the best mound visitor in the world. Did he? Good. I'm rooting for the Twins in the Central, to be honest. Uh, 7169-409-Josh. Was Tucker safe? Looked like he might have been out to me. It's Dave Raymond's burner. Yeah, everybody. I mean, they went off on it forever and a day, and and everybody else. Even um, it was either Bleacher Report or awful announcing was like what do you think and they kept replaying it there's just no clear cut replay that would have overturned it is there a chance that he missed the plate with the front of his foot sure yep but he beat it there in real time and no matter how much you look at it he beat it his foot beat it it's just a matter of did it actually touch down or not and if you can't have conclusive evidence to overturn it then you've got to stick with the the, the call on the field anyway the here's the thing like in what alternate reality are you calling Kyle Tucker out there? Like the home plate umpire on top of the play, there's no way he's seeing Tucker's foot elevate over the right. plate. Z- zero chance. The bang, bang no with the way. position he's on. Yeah. He's going by timing alone. Timing alone, Tucker and his foot beat the catcher's yeah. mitt to the, to the plate. So the alternate reality of the home plate umpire calling him out does not exist. There's no chance that an umpire is making that call, period, ever, never. Secondly... What do we know about replay? It's got to be conclusive. It's got to be something that you can't argue. It's got to be indisputable evidence. You don't even know if Tucker's cleat hit the plate or not. Like that, that one to me was a horrible take, and I have a feeling that the Rangers broadcast might have made the list. I think they're, they're landing on Bad Take Boulevard uh, come Thursday. They belong there. They, they, you know, whether Raymond's bitter or not, they just can't stop being bitter about the Astros. I mean, and every chance you get when you listen to them, yeah, the one thing that first hits you is they just they just knock you down with how big a homers they are. But every chance they get, they're taking little jabs at the Astros. And, and, and I mean, I guess that's what happens when you perennially, perennially can't win the big game and you've been chasing them, you know, for years and years and years. But at a certain point, you can tip the cap and say, hey, we're having a really good season. We got a chance to do it this year. And then, you know, get into the, the, the battle between the two teams, but instead you're just crying over spilled milk over and over again. It just gets old. I saw Ben DeBose tweet after like all this came out late yesterday, and he brought up an old story of whenever Dave Raymond was working with the um, 
He was working with the Rangers in 2017, and that was, of course, the year the Astros won the World Series, and like they were kind of running away with the division. Rangers were like kind of like lingering in the middle part of that year, like May. And Dave Raymond said it's laughable that people are already crowning the Houston Astros. This was in May in 2017, and then as we know, the Houston Astros would go on to win the World Series. So it wouldn't be the first time that Dave Raymond's had a a bad take that would, you know, if it was around back then, would have landed him on the list of bad take Boulevard. All right, Blinkers. Joe, wherever you may be, here's here's my sell to you guys. And seven listener, you can play along. 713-780-3776. I believe that the Houston Astros, by the end of the season, can have an offense that is a top five offense in baseball. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to catch up, that their runs per game are going to catch the top five. I'm saying on paper, by the end of the year, the Astros can field a lineup and into the playoffs, can field a lineup that is one of the best five offenses in all of Major League Baseball. Look, the Astros have kind of been hitting the baseball pretty good. While Jordan Alvarez has been out, they're 21 and 17 in that 38 game stretch, by the way, they, their offense has actually went up. Like they've, they've had an uptick in a positive direction. Part of that's probably because you're getting later in the season. Pitchers are getting a little tired. We know that offenses tick up in the summer months. I don't know the weather. You know, that's dusty, dusty with the weather. It, it leads to more offense. We know that stuff to be true. Alex Bregman's been pretty hot for the last week or so. Kyle Tucker for the last six weeks has been playing at an MVP level. Chaz McCormick is the AL player of the week last week and is still going really well. You're getting a little bit of help from Mauricio Dubon. Jose Abreu's been better the last two months than he was the first three months. All of that, if the Astros can keep that stuff clicking, and then you insert the best offensive player on this roster, one of the best offensive players in all of Major League Baseball in Jordan Alvarez, and he stays healthy. You insert Jose Altuve, who is potentially the greatest Houston Astro of all time and the best offensive second baseman in baseball. You insert him, he stays healthy. Maybe you do trade for a left fielder to give you a slight upgrade over Corey Jolks. Maybe Yiner Diaz is playing most of the time, certainly won't be all the time, but half the time to most of the time. The Astros' best-case scenario, I'll concede that this is best-case scenario, but the Astros' best-case scenario, Jordan healthy, Altuve healthy, this offense that has picked up the slack while Jordan and Altuve have been gone, maybe you trade for a little bit of offense, maybe Dusty commits to a little bit more Yiner Diaz. The Astros, all of those things play out, can have, on paper, a top-five offense in all of Major League Baseball. I disagree. I've been saying as much as I prioritize starting pitching first. I've been basically trying to let everybody know, hey, look, if Dana Brown's not able to pull the, the pl- you know, pull the trigger and make three different moves or two significant moves, getting a bat and a, and a pitcher, that you're going to be just like acquiring two D- two guys at the deadline by getting Altuve and Jordan back as long as they're healthy. And with the emergence of Yiner as a guy that upgrades your least hitting position over the last several years at catcher, and, and you have guys like Dubon that have shown now that they're hitting the ball better than they ever have before and been a huge piece of this offense no matter where you play them, just like Chaz, doing the same thing in a different area of the field. You have the ability with this team, even if you don't make a move offensively, and now we see that guy that I don't want to talk about taking swings in the batting cages too that might end up being that those sprinkles and icing on the cake in terms of getting a Brantley back. But even if you don't get him, you get those two guys back with the way you're getting production from guys you didn't expect. And the fact that Abreu and Bregman are getting hotter and hotter and doing more and more, there's no reason not to believe that this offense can take a massive jump into the top five because I believe that wholeheartedly, as long as they're healthy, this offense, this lineup might be one of the best in baseball.
You buying this, Joe? You buying that the Astros on paper they're not going to catch up? They're already too far back uh, to be a top five offense in baseball. Yeah, I, I think it's very clear they can be that. The biggest thing is going to be what the corners give you to get there on a consistent basis. Like, who is Alex Bregman? Who is Jose Abreu? Well, don't forget your shortstop now. Too. Maybe even your corner outfit. Well, not beside from Tucker. Like, left field, I think you can throw into that corner discussion. I just think that Bregman and Abreu, when, they are, when they're really, really good, they easily elevate you into that top five offensive category position. Like, top ten, when Alvarez and Altuve come back, absolutely. But if, the, if Bregman and Abreu are rolling like they have the last, you know, two months, and I know Bregman's kind of been more up and down, I would say, but when those guys are all rolling with Altuve and Alvarez in, they're absolutely a top five offense. Mm-hmm. In Major League don't forget Pena now. He's got to step up a little bit too. I also, but you I don't see, need him per se with all those other right. guys hitting. But if you're going to get on paper to that top five status, Pena's got to be a little closer to even last year regular season. That might Pena take than you to top three. Right now. You know, yeah, I could I, take you up into the top three. Maybe good. even in a, like a, even a further echelon. Yeah, like I, I don't, I don't expect that from Pena because it's like if you want to include Pena in that mix, then you're almost and, and then Diaz playing every day. If you're hoping for that, then you're trying. It's almost like. We're trying to put the Astros back in like 2019. I'm, you know, yeah, but that's where I was going. If you, if you sit Jake and, and you have Chaz in center field, if you set Maldi and you have Yiner behind the plate, you've upgraded the, the two biggest weaknesses on this team at the bottom half of the order. Even if they're not going to be hitting in the bottom half of the order, then you, like you said, Joe, you get the you get the the Bregman and the Abreu effect. Then you add Jordan and Altuve. And you get the steady play of the guys that have already, you know, like Tucker and and Dubon that have still been doing it. And you're like, there's no reason that you shouldn't expect this team to be one of the top three offenses in baseball the rest of the way. I think one of the things that I, I really liked that Dusty Baker adjusted when Jordan got hurt was this team has been way more aggressive on the base paths, you know, stealing bases. And they kind of went back to like a little more small ball, old school baseball in that way. I know you typically, like the, the, the smart guy, would probably say, you know, don't try to steal a base with Juan Navarez up to the plate. I like how aggressive they've been. And I think they should keep that. It's just like, it's an element that the Astros have. They have so many athletic guys. Well, I mean, Kyle Tucker stole third, third the, base like, the other night, what, yep. two days ago. Like, I just, I would like to see the Astros continue to be that aggressive. And that's why the offense has still been successful, really, also when Alvarez has been out, because they've kind of changed their mentality a little bit. So. Yeah. I need, I want that aggression after Jordan, not before Jordan, though. Like, I, I don't want guys that are hitting in front of Jordan that are on base to potentially run into an out. Like, if you're on base and Jordan's up, then you shouldn't be moving. That's fact. Probably. Because Jordan Alvarez can drive him in from anywhere. So I'm cool with keeping up the aggressive behavior, the the aggression on the base pass. Yeah, no, Gary was pushing it last night. Yeah, he was. I mean, that was an aggressive send. To win the game last night. Well, they night. knew they knew that Jankowski has a terrible arm. I know they they know close, that he and he, he does have a terrible arm, and it got but, cut. It was cut. It was yeah, a relay. That's what I couldn't believe from shallow right. Th- the thing is, if that ball was on a line, it was barreled up pretty yeah. hard to where that's what made me even the more concerned. Then I was like, wait a minute, he he threw it to the cutoff man. Yeah. Like that was shocking from where he got it and how fast he got it. You can throw a one hop, two hopper to the plate. He's not capable. And you should be he's, in a perfect position. I wonder he's Jake how, Myers he's Jake for the Rangers. Myers. He is. He's Jake Myers. Like, I, I, that might be the only right fielder in baseball. He normally plays left. I got a center fielder. He normally plays left. Yeah. Norm, but Adolis was out. Like He normally plays left field. That's true. Yeah. Which you can hide an arm more in left field than you can right field. Now, for the Astros to be a top five offense, do they have to upgrade Corey Jolks? 
No. You don't have to because of all the guys are getting back, but it would be nice. Nate, give me a realistic left-field bat the Astros could trade for. Bellinger. Okay, let's go with Bellinger. I think it might be a little unrealistic, but if Bellinger is their top acquisition, potentially. But if you're trading for Bellinger, I don't think you're acquiring a decent starting pitcher. But let's say it's Bellinger. You could run out a lineup if you acquire Bellinger with Yiner, Abreu, Altuve, Pena slash Dubon, Bregman, Tucker, Chaz, Bellinger, Jordan Alvarez. That's a top five offense really, in baseball. Really good. That is a top five offense in baseball. That might be the best offensive lineup in baseball. That's a really good lineup. Tell me an offensive liner lineup better than that. And that's the Padres. Uh, see, but they stink. And they stink. They do. They stink. <laughs> but I'm just saying, just pure <laughs> talent alone. Rangers at full health. Is Rangers are a hell of a year. Yeah, I don't want to. And I don't want to be that guy. Look, I think the Astros are a better team, and I'm tired. Yeah, I, I get annoyed by their announced team and some of their fans, mainly Tab. But at the same time, when I look at it. They're having a hell of a year. Credit to them. You know, they got young guys that they found that they, they play that have played well and made the all-star team. You know, the guys they've developed have developed into something, and then they spent a boat ton of money and, and are starting to get return on investment from both guys until, until Seager got hurt again to where you can't – you got to give them their flowers. And take nothing away from them. But when you look at the guys they're plugging and playing different positions other than those guys versus what the Astros have on, on in their lineup – Astros have the best – if they're healthy with that lineup right there, that to me is, if not the best, one of the top two or three offensive lineups in the game. See, I think trading for a big bat like that makes the Astros arguably the best offense in baseball at yep. full health. Not trading for a big bat like that, I still think at full health, everybody clicking top, top three, top five yep. in the in the AL. 713-780-ESPN. How good do you think the Astros offense can be at the, at the end of the season? Also, like I said, all this positive stuff, all this good stuff, all this Homer stuff. i got to be a wet blanket now to balance it out. Wet blanket, Branham. What if D'Amico Ryans is just mediocre? 713-780-3776. Killer B's ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5.